Hi friends, Ray here, and we're, we're continuing our series on Genesis 3, or more to the point, trying to keep the conversation going on the kind of questions that passages like today, Genesis 3, kind of raises for us. We're going back to the beginning, not quite the absolute beginning of Genesis 1, but Genesis 3, where we hear the story of Satan's temptation of Adam and Eve and the fall of not only them two, but the heads of humanity. I've got with me here, John Sugars. G'day, John. How you going? G'day, Ray. <laughs> Doing good, see, mate. As you can see, we're just exaggerating our Australianness. But um, now I've specifically asked John because since I, I've I've known him here in fellowship, even though I've known him before, but since I've known you, John, Genesis 3 has been a really important passage for you, hasn't it? Yeah, it has actually. Yeah. I enjoyed it immensely. Now, can you tell me, what is it generally, before we get to the detail, just generally, why is Genesis 3 so special to you? Yeah, I think I've, I've uh, obviously I'm, I'm keen about God's word and keen, keen about what God tells us through his word. But I've also got a science degree. That's mm. my first degree. Right. And, uh, uh, and because of that, I'm interested in the way things work. Mm. And I want to work out how our God, who is sovereign and totally in control, uh, is involved in this physical world. Mm. And, uh, and I, I find a lovely meshing between science and the God who created science. So you're not seeing them as enemies, but actually as overlapping realities. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one yeah. explaining the other. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so it starts off with the serpent, so representing Satan, we know from Revelation 12, mm -hmm. uh, more shrewd. Now, the word just means wisdom, doesn't it? So, But wisdom in the hands of evil is uh, bent on doing evil. Um, what What is it about the nature in which Satan tempts Eve. What what kind of reflections do you have on that inter uh, intersection between the two? Yeah, it's 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 a wonderful story. Uh, very few words, but enough to get a an understanding, a nuance of what's going on. Uh, um, Satan uh, says things that starts Eve thinking. Mm. So he he starts by saying, "Did God really say?" Mm which immediately sows doubts in Eve's mind and makes her think, oh, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe that's not the way it is. And so he's very deceptive and he deceives her with, with half-truths. Mm. Did God really say you shouldn't eat of any fruit in the tree of the garden? Well, no, he didn't say that. And he takes what was originally a positive thing from God. That is, you can eat any fruit mm. except one. Um, and, and he turns it into a, oh, you can't eat anything. Mm. Um, and so that starts to undermine Eve and her understanding of who God is. Now, it kind of begs the question, what was Satan doing in the garden? Now, I know there's some questions that we can't answer, but have you got any reflections on that? Yeah, um, it's a story. It's a story that illustrates the reality and the truth of our human natures and who God is mm. and how we've responded uh, to God. Um, uh, what was he doing there? It was, it's, it's God's garden. Uh, he's obviously there under um, the allowance of, of God. God is totally in control of everything. And so that's, that's, that's fine. Um, uh, God can allow any anybody or anything to do there to, to be there. I think I think what what's what's going on is that um, we are made in God's image, and part of being made in God's image 
is that he's given us choice. Mm -hmm. Now, you might think, well, hang on, why has he done that? Well, very simply, um, if, if, if I'm about to marry someone, I want that person to love me out of their own free will, their own choice. Not a robot. Not a robot. Mm. Not, not a, oh, I have to love you. Mm. So often people say, well, why, have, why has God made us like this? He's made us like this because he, uh, as God, is a relational God. Mm. And he wants to have a relationship with us. And he doesn't want it to be forced. Mm. He wants it to be a true, loving, responsive relationship. And so he, he automatically, therefore, by making us in his image, allows us to make choices, right. both good and bad choices. And I think that's part and parcel of right. what it means to be made in the image of right. God. So the choice to take or not take of the fruit, uh, the choice to resist the evil one mm. in the context of real choices that truly glorify God and express our humanity. I like it. Yeah. Now, um, uh, I know there's not a, a great deal of detail, but there seems to have been a fall before the fall. That is to say, before humans rebelled and defied God, sounds like uh, Satan himself once an angel defied God. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, just just simply that um, uh, we're, we're told in other parts of the Old Testament that uh, Satan is a fallen angel. Right. And so um, uh, there are other realms other than just our human mm. earthly world that we're familiar with. There's the heavenly realm, and in it are beings, angelic beings, mm. and it seems like uh, God has made them also with some degree of choice, mm. and that Satan has chosen to rebel against God. Yeah, You know, uh, it's an interesting, in 1 Timothy 3, when it talks about elders, uh, and it says, don't lay hands prematurely on a young young, newly converted man, because uh, he may fall into the, the, the judgment of the sin of, of Satan. And it sounds like pride is actually the thing that caused his downfall and everyone else's downfall. Pride comes before the fall, literally <laughs> before the fall. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's get back into the garden, John. Mm. Um, Satan has been putting thoughts into Eve's mind about uh, an alternate reality. Um, uh, the, how would you describe the nature of, from her side and the nature of her rebellion? Is it just she did the wrong thing? Yeah, I think um, when I ask people, what, what is the, what's the sin of Adam and Eve in Genesis 3? Most people think it's disobedience. Mm. Uh, and by saying that, I think we misunderstand what the passage is really saying. Uh, disobedience, sure, there's disobedience there. That's part and parcel of it. But it's not the main core of what's going on. Um, disobedience is just disobeying a set of rules mm. that God has made. But here what's going on is far, far deeper. And it's all tied up with the understanding of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm. And what on earth is a tree of knowledge and of good and evil? Yeah. What does that mean? And so as we start to investigate that, we, we, we start to see that the, that the word knowledge can mean more than one thing in the Bible. So in the old versions of the Bible, it, it used to say uh, Adam knew Eve mm. and they bore a child. Ooh, well, hang on. It's, the word knowledge there obviously means sex. No. doesn't mean uh, factual information. Um, and so likewise, the word knowledge can mean other things in the Bible. Um, uh, we normally think of knowledge as meaning data, information, 
But in, in um, I think it's uh, 2 Samuel and 1 Kings and uh, somewhere else in the Old Testament, it refers to, it's used to refer to God, not just in terms of factual information, but in terms of him deciding right. what is right and what is wrong which is very different from knowing about something. Right. And so I, I wonder whether when it talks about the knowledge, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it's referring to more than just information. Because it's quite clear that Adam and Eve knew what was right and what was wrong. Before, in Genesis 2. Before in, okay. That's right, in Genesis 2. Right. Because God had already said in Genesis 2, you can do this, but you can't do this. Right. He'd already shown them that there was boundaries, and they knew what was right and what was wrong. So it wasn't as if they were innocent uh, when they when, um, and, or, and, or and, ignorant. And did not know. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And so it must mean something more than just information right. about what is right and what is wrong. And when you look at those other passages, you suddenly realize, oh, hang on, Adam and Eve didn't just want some knowledge. They actually wanted the ability to decide right. what is right and what is wrong. In other words, they wanted to become the creators of right and wrong. They wanted to determine what is right and what is wrong. And you, you know that because in the passage it talks about um, Eve saw that the, the fruit was good for eating and would give her wisdom. Oh. What sort of wisdom? The wisdom of knowledge and good and evil. And so she thought, ah, if I eat this fruit, I will become like God and be able to decide what is right and what is wrong. And fundamentally, what does that mean? It, what's going on there, I think, is that they're not saying, oh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a naughty boy and, and, and disobey God's rules. They're actually saying, I want to get rid of God. I want to be God. You described it as pushing God off the planet. Yeah. I like yeah. that phrase before when we were preparing for the podcast. Yeah, I think what's going on is um, Adam and Eve are involved in a revolution. Right. They are involved in initiating a coup. Mm. They are kicking God off his own planet. Right. They're saying, thanks, God. We like your planet. We don't need you anymore. We'll look after it ourselves. Thank you. Ever so politely, yeah. but it's a coup. And we've been doing it ever since. That probably, let's do now talk, uh, that's very helpful, John. So they're dethroning God, isn't it? Mm. Uh, so now we've got, uh, they've uh, eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They're playing God. Uh, that they find themselves now naked once and no shame, but now this time they've got shame. What is, why are they feeling, I mean, they were naked before. So why now that they've eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, are they naked and filled with shame? What's going on there? Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, isn't it? You, they, they eat of the fruit and the first thing you're told is that they realize they were naked mm. and they were ashamed yeah. and they clothe themselves. You think, whoa, what's going on there? Why, why, what's shame and nakedness got to do with eating the fruit which has to do with wanting to be God. Well, think of it this way. Nakedness is vulnerability. Mm. When, when, when I'm naked, 
I feel very vulnerable. Yeah. And it's only Not in too the- much information now, John. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> only, only, only when I'm with, with someone I really trust and it's very special, yeah. like, like my spouse, yeah. am I comfortable to be naked? So I think nakedness is an indication of vulnerability. Now, why were they vulnerable? Yeah. What makes them vulnerable? The fact that Eve and Adam both ate of this piece of fruit. Well, because by eating the fruit, Eve was saying, I want to be God. I want to be able to determine what is right and what is wrong. I want to decide how I'm going to live my own life. Thank you very much. Then Adam ate the fruit. Adam now wants to decide to be God. He wants to decide what is right and what is wrong. He wants to be in control of his own life. You've now got two people who are opposing each other by saying, no, I'm in control. No, I'm in control. And so automatically they are vulnerable to each other. Mm. And so they hide their vulnerability by putting on clothing and saying, I don't want to be vulnerable in front of you. I need to protect myself. Because I now can't trust you because you've defied God and are playing God. I'm playing God. You can't trust me. I can't trust you with my nakedness. That's right. That That's uh, right. I said this to you an hour ago. I think I don't think I've understood it quite like that until you said it. That was very helpful for me, um, and uh, that that was one of the consequences. And they pathetically try to cover up their nakedness, but of course there were many many consequences. Just walk us through some of the outworkings of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, they also hid from mm. God. Mm. And so why? Well, because they are now vulnerable and they are opposing God. <laughs> I find it quite hilarious, though, that, that uh, when they hid from God, they, they, they hid and, and God couldn't find them. And then God comes out and says, Adam, where are you? And immediately he pops out and says, here I am, here I am. He, he, it's, it's ironic. He couldn't help himself but mm-hmm. reveal himself to mm-hmm. God, even though he wanted to be hidden from yeah. God. <laughs> There's a, a bit of humor there. But um, um, in, in the, the curses that occur... Uh, after uh, after eating of the fruit, um, it's interesting that for Adam, it is the 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 outcome of the curse is that he is now his task is now harder than what it used to be. He will now toil as he looks after the uh, after the planet. It will be a painful exercise for him. For Eve, it's more relational in that. The thing that she wants to do, which 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 she loves to do, is give um, give uh, birth to to uh, a child. Will now become a painful thing, and so tied up with who she is as a woman, uh, a childbearer, um, her very identity will now have pain. And likewise for Adam, his very identity of 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 working the soil and looking after um, the planet. Um, not that they're absolute concepts, but just in terms of their roles, um, they that becomes painful for him. So, so it shows that the what they've done is not just disobeying a rule that God's put on. Again, it reinforces that in their very being, in their very nature, everything about them is now in conflict. So, um, and that turns in on each other. You've got that verse, one of the judgments is that her desire will be for him and he will rule over. So there's going to that kind of 
they're both kind of sharing that story of taking mm. advantage of each other, mm. trying to control and abuse each other. Uh, and uh, and so marriage seems to be the battleground of the sexes then. Yes, yes. It's, it's, it, it is so ironic, isn't it, in, in that she longs for him, but he's going to mm. put pressure on her. And so the very thing that she wants from him uh, is turned around and becomes a problem. Mm. And I think that's all an indication of we are reaching beyond our humanity. Uh, we are wanting to be more than human beings, but we uh, innately can't do that because mm. we are not God. Right. Only God has all the knowledge to be able to decide what is right and wrong. Right. And so we're grasping at something that we will never achieve mm. because we're not made like that. We're not made to be God. No. no that's and right. uh, see, it really just, hasn't it infiltrated every corner of our life? Our work is now tarnished. Relationships are tarnished. Mm. The act of procreation is tarnished. Mm. Mm. Um, our access, the shadow of death hovers us. We have no mm. more. Mm. Uh, we don't live with the joy of eternal life, you know, being naturally presented before us, you know. Okay, so... Smack bang in the middle of the suffering and the death and the pain is that promise in Genesis 3.15. What, you know, the fancy words, proto-euangelion, the, the, the first promise of the gospel. Why don't you tell us about that one? Yes, yes. It's a, it's, it's a beautiful little um, uh, part of scripture that, that uh, alludes to something in the future mm. but doesn't actually spell it out. And it's not until we have the hindsight of seeing what happens in the New Testament mm. that we come back and say, oh. Oh, is that what that means? Mm. And it's that it's that beautiful um, uh, part where um, uh, we're told that Eve, uh, the offspring of Eve, will actually have an impact on the offspring of 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 the snake. In that, uh, he will be defeated, but in that happening, the offspring of Eve uh, uh, will be injured in some way. Um, through the heel being hurt. And so I think it's a, um, a, a clear allusion to the fact that someone in the future will actually destroy Satan, but not without cost. Right. Uh, and, and you think, oh, hang on a sec. Isn't that what Jesus does on the cross? He destroys the power of Satan by overcoming death, uh, and forgiving us uh, for our brokenness and sinfulness, um, but in the in the course of that, Jesus Himself has to give up His humanity, give up His life, and dies. So He Himself will be injured, but Satan will be destroyed. Mm, yeah. I guess at the cross He's defeated and disarmed, and then when Jesus returns, the job will be finished when he's finally thrown into the pit once mm. and for all. Yes. Which is good to know because in the new creation, there's no more crying, grief or pain or death, but there's no more Satan as well. Yeah. Because I always yeah. wonder, you think, man, I wouldn't want a rerun of that story all over again. <laughs> that's right. Because people yeah. have often said that, haven't they? Like, oh, no. So that's why there's a sense where the Garden of Eden is different from the new heavens and the new earth, isn't it? Yes, um, yes. And, and one of those things is Satan won't be there. He's yeah. already been dealt with. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. So there's a progression from a garden, what ends up in Revelation as a city. Yeah. Uh, this beautiful picture and a city where, where all that pain and suffering yeah. will be no more. And access to the tree of life in multiple forms mm. and death no longer there. 
I'm looking forward to it, John. What about you? Oh, I can't wait. And that's why it's good news, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And uh, through Christ, uh, we become new creations and the spearhead of yeah. that new reality. John, thank you so much for sharing. That was so helpful. I could so tell this, pa- you love this passage. <laughs> you you are in it from beginning to end. You unload a lot of great insights. And I'm really thankful. So friends, keep staying with us. Keep the conversation going because that's what it's all about. Uh, we just hope that uh, these last uh or 20 minutes will stimulate more conversations. Not every question can be answered, uh, but it's wanting to answer the questions that God has provided. And I was saying to you, John, earlier mm-hmm. um, about why do you believe uh, Adam and Eve are historical figures? You know, because not everyone believes that. Mm-hmm. And your answer is simply what? Oh, simply because the New Testament right. uh, in Paul makes it very clear where he, he takes in Romans 5 uh, the first Adam. And compares him to the second Adam, okay. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Now, if if the first Adam is not a real human being, then it raises the question of the humanity of Jesus, yeah. the true humanity of Jesus. Yeah. And it's so clear in the New Testament that Jesus is a real person. Yeah. So there you go. We're letting the Bible interpret the Bible. That's right. And when any of these questions come about Genesis 1 to 12, just keep letting that rule soak in let the bible interpret the bible and we see th- this story through the eyes of jesus and paul and the apostles uh, and that's just a, a helpful grid to keep in mind as you're thinking through we hope you've uh, found this uh, uh this time helpful and uh, geez, if you want to hear more of it just go online youtube and any of our social media platforms look forward to seeing you next time as we take the next step into genesis and the origins of humanity sin and see the spread of sin, but also the spread of grace.